thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. Hey man, you may be seated this evening. I mean, a line in that song said, let the power of the Holy Ghost fall on me. And I'm thankful that the power of the Holy Ghost has been falling around our church. Amen. And it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. It's, it's going to get gooder and gooder to use just some good old bad Southeast Texas language. I mean, last week we began a series just on practical holiness. Um, we began reading in First Thessalonians chapter 4, and I'll pick up there tonight. Amen. I don't want to be long tonight. And pastor, I'm sure some of you are wanting to hear pastor preach, amen. Some of you had to be in classes and elsewhere Sunday morning and were unable to hear him. But good news is this Sunday he's scheduled to preach both services, so make sure you don't miss it. If you're missing him, he will be here preaching both services this Sunday. They are at camp meeting this week and we'll return charged and ready to roll, amen. Don't you love our pastor, amen. I'm a little biased, but I still love him. Amen. I have to love him as a dad, but I'm privileged that I get to love him as my pastor. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. I want to just share a recap of last week's intro before we dive into part 2 this week. First Thessalonians chapter 4 says, beginning in verse 1, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. We instructed you how to live in order to please God, and that's my intention with last week's lesson and with this week's lesson is to help instruct us, not with my words, not with the words of man's wisdom, but with what does the word of God say, amen? As in fact, you are living is what Paul said. So I've instructed you how to live to please God, and you are doing that. And then he goes, now we ask you and we urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Everybody say more and more. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep on keeping on, baby. Keep on keeping on. You will never learn the principles of God's word. We're talking about holiness, living a life that's pleasing unto the Lord. And let me go ahead and stop and say right now, we're not talking a life of dress code. That's not what I'm preaching about last week or this week, but I'm talking about every aspect of our life lining up with God's word and be found, and us being found pleasing in God's sight. And we will never learn how to do that until we learn the principles of God's word. And we will never learn the principles of God's word until we dive into God's word. Amen. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that he loved us enough. Not only did he give us his word, not only did he send himself for in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. He is the word of God. He is the bread of life, but he also gave us the word so that we can today digest the word and read it and we can learn it and we can apply it to our life. And that is the only way, church family, that we will ever live a life that is pleasing unto God is when we measure our life according to God's word. When I measure how I'm doing as a husband according to what God's word instructs me, uh, the word of the Lord instructs husbands to love our wives as Christ loves the church. So as God loves me, I must also show the same love towards my family. And when I 
just every ta- uh, we can apply our finances, we can apply our marriages, we can apply um, our careers, our interactions with each others, with believers but also non-believers. I want every area, and I think every area of our life as a church should line up with God's word so that we can more effectively and efficiently reach the world around us. Everybody say amen. Amen. Our day-to-day decisions have bearing weight or they have... They are in construction, Brother Hobbs, he's a builder. There's a thing called uh, load-bearing walls, amen? So the decisions that we make every day are load-bearing walls. They are carrying the weight of where we will spend our eternity, amen? So our day-to-day decisions matter. How we talk, where we go, how we think, how we look at things and people matter when it comes to eternity. Well, you can say it's not a big deal. I'm just uh, I'm just going to do something real quick and real easy and God can forgive me. Oh yeah, he can forgive you and I'm thankful that he does forgive us. But what if we forget to ask God to forgive us uh, and he comes back or we're taken or something tragic happens to us? Amen. I want I want his blood to be applied to my life. Amen. And I don't want it just to be applied once to my life, but I want it to stay applied to my life. So our day-to-day decisions uh, um, have bearing weight on our eternity. A root of bitterness that we cling to, a wrong that's done to us when we're done wrong and we have issues forgiving the person or the thing that did us wrong, Um, an impure thought, immodest words, immodest thoughts, even immodest apparel, all of these things have the ability to change the trajectory of our eternity. All of these things, not one of these things, but all of these things put together will change the trajectory of our eternity. This is why we should go to the scriptures when we have questions. Yes, uh, we should seek godly counsel. Yes, we should, yes, for in the multitude of counsel, you know, there's a, it's wise for us to seek counsel. But when it comes, when push comes to shove, when it comes to the word of God and the things of God, there is no better counsel than going to his word. Can I get an amen? Amen. So if you're, if you're questioning things regarding the kingdom of God, it's good to go to a pastor. It's good to go to a friend. It's good to go to someone who knows God's word. But there is no substitute for you diving into God's word yourself. Amen. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful that we have that opportunity. Amen. That, that is why we should go to scriptures because scripture is, scripture does have the answers for all of the questions that we have regarding holy living and a lifestyle that is pleasing unto the Lord. Amen. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. These are the two verses preceding 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 that I just read to you. And I want to just lay a little context of why the Apostle Paul was talking. And really, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul is really not talking about anything else but sexual immorality and sexual sin. But I think that the principles found in 1 Thessalonians 4 applies not just to our sexuality, but it applies to every area of our life and every area of living our life pleasing unto the Lord. So uh, 2 Thessalonians 3, uh, verses 12 and 13, uh, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. So the Apostle Paul says, 
May the Lord make your love increase. May the Lord make your love increase for each other and for everyone else. Church family, we will never be more holy than how we treat each other. If you want to be holy, yes, we need to look holy. Yes, we need to live a lifestyle of separation. We don't need to talk like the world. We don't need to dress like the world. There's, there's, there's a lot of scriptures in the Old Testament and the New Testament for how we should live and how we should look. Amen. But no matter how holy we look, no matter how good our appearance is, we can check the list, we can do all of that, but if we cannot treat our brothers and our sisters right, we are not truly holy. Can somebody say amen? amen. Have you ever been done wrong before by a church person? Come on. The, the church house is the easiest place to backslide. Amen. It, it, you know, the, the, this is the place, if you want to get hurt, you come to church because we get close to each other. But this is why God gave us his words, so that when we make a mistake, we can make it right. Amen. That's why God gave us the epistles. Amen. May the Lord make your love increase for each other and for everyone else. So not only for the believers, but also for the unbelievers, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy. Everybody say holy. In the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all of his holy ones. When Paul did his missionary work, he not only won converts and baptized because that's what he was supposed to do. He was a missionary. He was fulfilling the Great Commission, going to all the world, teaching, preaching the gospel, baptizing them, them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, which is Jesus. But he also, there's a second part of the Great Commission that we don't quote a lot. That's Matthew 28, verse 20, and I want to read that to you really quickly. Amen. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them. This is verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So just because we are making converts does not mean we are fulfilling the Great Commission. And the Apostle Paul knew that, look, I, I'm writing letters to these churches. I'm writing letters to my sons in the gospel. I'm writing letters to Timothy, to Titus. I'm, I, I'm doing all of this. I'm writing letters to these churches uh, from a prison cell and from a land far away when he wasn't in prison. Uh, but he was doing that not, not, because, not because he thought he needed to add to God's word because he wasn't adding to God's word. He was just uh, relaying more of God's word, amen, because it's not just enough for us to be baptized in Jesus' name and get the gift of the Holy Ghost. First, before we do those two, we have to repent of our sins. Yes, that is where salvation begins, but that is not where salvation ends. Salvation doesn't end until we reach streets of gold, like I preached about this Sunday night. I'm thankful that we are going somewhere. I'm thankful that we're going to a better place, amen? But after I receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and before that, after I repent of my sins, that I'm baptized in the name of Jesus, I'm buried with Christ, the, the old man is made new, and then after I receive the gift of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, that is not my final destination uh, because I still have changes to do. Amen? Think about it. When you repented of your sins, when you got the Holy Ghost, when you got baptized, for some of us, that was a process of years. For some of us, that was a process of weeks and months. But for some of us, all three of those happened in one service. We still had a long ways to go after we got the Holy Ghost and got baptized and repented, didn't we? 
We still had, some of us still had to go and terminate some friendships. Some of us didn't know, you know, well, maybe this friend is going to go along the journey with me. Maybe they're not going to pull me down. Maybe I can keep, I hope I can keep all my friends. But if they're going to pull me down and they're going to make fun of me and they're not going to support what I'm doing and what God is doing in me, then that's a relationship that I can't hold. And then also some of us got saved and it was a while before we got delivered from our addictions. And all of those things. So salvation is not just a one-stop shop of the three form uh, of the three-step formula that we always talk about. Salvation is a journey, and it's called discipleship. And that's what the apostle Paul was saying in. That's what he was saying to the Thessalonian church. But that's he, he was doing that because Jesus said in the Great Commission, "Don't just uh, uh, don't just teach, preach, and baptize." The, but you need to teach them to obey everything that I commanded you to do. All of your disciples need to do as well. And that's the basis of this series that I'm sharing with you right now. So when we read the teachings of the apostles, we are to take their words just as if Jesus himself were speaking those words to us. Or just as if you have a red letter edition Bible, you need to take every word that the Apostle Paul wrote, every word that the writer of Hebrews wrote, every word, every word in the New Testament, you need to take it just as if it was in red ink, just as if Jesus took it. Why? Because all scripture is God inspired, it is God breathed. No scripture contradicts another, and it all works together for the edifying of the body of Christ, so that I can grow, so that so that I can mature, so that I can continue to grow in the wisdom and the knowledge of what God has for me. Aren't you thankful that God's not done with you? Aren't you thankful that that I'm thankful that God's not done with me? First Thessalonians chapter four. Verses 4 and 5, and this is really the basis, this kind of the, I guess, this is the mission statement of last week and this week. That each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Now remember, the context of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is sexual sin. So he's really cutting real deep. He's really, there was some, there was immorality in the church at that time. There was a lot of things going on. And so the apostle Paul was really having to make a lot of things really plain and really graphic. But we can still, even though we're not just talking about sexual sin and sexual immorality, even though we are talking about all immorality and all unholiness and unrighteousness tonight, we can still take this one phrase and apply it to all holiness. You should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Why can we make that as a blanket statement? Because the meditations of my heart need to be pure, and my heart is a part of my body. The meditations of my mind need to be honorable and holy, and my mind, last time I checked, was a part of my body. Sometimes it's not, but most times it is. That's why the little children's song, oh, be careful little hands, what you go, uh, feet where you go, be careful little hands what you touch, for the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful little, hadn't sang that in a long time. Sister Martin, you're going to sing that this Sunday in Sunday school now that I sang it tonight. But it is... Is imperative that the blood-bought believer, as a King James word, we need to possess our vessel with sanctification and with honor. For these verses in the King James read like this, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel with sanctification and honor. Everybody say honor. 
So from this verse, we gather that practical holiness is simply living a life of self-control. In my high school years, probably one of the most formative voices in my life outside of my parents and a few of you in this room was Sister Kathleen Newton. She taught me in school for, well, from third grade till I graduated, amen. And, 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 and she would always say, self-control is a Christian character trait. And how true is that? For if we cannot control ourselves, how can we ever possess our vessel or possess our being, possess our mind, possess our thoughts, possess where we go with sanctification and honor? So in order to live a holy life, we must live a life abstaining from the things that God hates. If I want to be sanctified, if I want to be holy, if I want to be honorable, that means I need to be dedicated to the things that God loves, and I need to run from the things that God hates. Somebody just say amen, just to make me feel like I'm not alone tonight. Amen. We must use self-control. Solomon talked about the seven deadly sins. Proverbs chapter 6, 16 through 19 says, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. I believe the King James says an abomination. One, a haughty eyes, two, a lying tongue, three, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush to evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. These are the things or the people that God hates. In 2018, we really believe in the grace of God, and I really believe in the grace of God. I heard somebody the other day, they were railing and just talking about sloppy grace, and sloppy grace is a bad thing and all this. And I'm just trying to figure out, I, I need sloppy grace because I've had some sloppy messes in my life. I'm thankful for sloppy grace, amen. But in the middle of all the grace that we celebrate, and in fact, we live in a dispensation of grace, thanks to the work of the cross. But we need to recognize that just because God is a God of grace, he is also a God of vengeance. And as long as there's breath in our body, his grace is new for us. His grace is new every morning. But there's coming a day when we will face the wrath and the vengeance of God. And I think it's important that we need to realize and we need to recognize that eternity is real and we're judged according to our works. And I don't want, I really don't want my eyes to be haughty. I don't want to be puffed up in my own righteousness. For if I am puffed up in my own righteousness, really I am puffed up in unrighteousness because I am puffed up in me and Trent is not righteous by himself. The only way Trent is righteous is through the mercy and the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only way that I will ever be righteous. I don't want my tongue to lie. I, I, I don't want to bear false witness against my brother. Um, I don't want to devise wicked schemes against you, and I don't want you to do that against me. And Scripture says the people that do that, God hates, or they are even an abomination unto him. So if God hates it, we should do our dead level best to abstain from partaking in those things. Come on, somebody say amen. 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 So here's my main idea, and we're going to be done early tonight. I say that, but I'm not done just yet. 
know God, the way that we can abstain from the things that God hates, and the one true way that we can really live a life of holiness is to just know God. When we know God, God will begin to speak in us and he will begin to speak to us and eventually he will speak through us. That's why it's important that when you study the word of God, number one, it's important that you study the word of God. But when you study the word of God, dive deep into doctrine, dive deep into theology, know who God is. Know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Know that Jesus Christ is Emmanuel, God with us. Know that Jesus is God robed in flesh. It's important that we know doctrine. It's very important to how can we ever be holy if we don't even grasp who our holy God is? Holiness starts when we know God. Holiness doesn't start with the things I do. Holiness starts with the revelation of who God is, and this is how majestic he is. And because of his majesty and his glory and his power, my response is a life that, is a, that, that lives in accordance to his word and his majesty and his glory. Because what fellowship does light have with darkness or does darkness have with light? Paul said, possess your vessel with sanctification and honor, not in passionate lust, as the pagans do. He said, who do not know God. So what Paul is saying, of course people that don't know God are unholy. But you, you know God. You should be holy. You shouldn't be struggling in the areas that you're struggling with. You shouldn't, I shouldn't have to be writing to you about sexual immorality. I shouldn't have to be writing to you about the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. And I shouldn't have to be writing to you. You know God. You shouldn't be living like the pagans, church family. And when we know God, we shouldn't live like the world either. Why? Because we have a revelation of who he is. We develop a per when we develop a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, our eyes will be open to the principles of holiness. Not the checklist, uh, not the things that Pentecostals are known for being holy, even though we should be holy, even though we should dress holy, even all of that. But I'm not talking about a list of rules. I'm not talking about generalities. I'm not talking about a legalistic checklist. I'm talking about a heart that is tuned towards heaven. And because my heart is tuned towards heaven, I, I am receptive to living how he wants me to live. And because uh, my heart is tuned towards him, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 22 and 5 just makes sense to me that men should dress like men and women should dress like women. It's just what the Word of God says. And if the Word of God said it, whether it be in the Old Testament or the New Testament, I'm going to let it apply to my life. Well, we live in a dispensation of grace. You're exactly right. But that does not undo the law. That does not undo the Old Testament. For Jesus himself said in Matthew, I come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. So every principle in God's word still stands, and we should still live according to it to today. Somebody help me feel less lonely and just say amen. 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 A relationship with God is the only thing that keeps us from living a life of sin. You can't live a life free from sin by yourself. I cannot live a life free from sin by myself. Why? 
because like David, I'm shaping in iniquity. I have a sinful nature. At best, I am a sinner, but thanks be to God and his blood. If we could truly, truly, church family, get a glimpse of the majesty and the awesome wonder, greatness, and power of God, many of the questions we have would go away. Many of the things that we try to rationalize would go away. If we could just see God for who he is. Many of us wouldn't struggle with the things that we struggle with because I've got a, I, 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 I've got a glimpse of majesty. I've got a glimpse of his awesome power. The word of God and relationship with Jesus is enough to keep us saved, church family. The word of God is enough to keep us saved. We need convictions. I believe God gives us convictions. But we're not saved according to our convictions. Convictions, if we're not careful, lead to haughtiness and arrogance and pride. I'm not speaking bad of, 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 of convictions tonight, church family. I have personal convictions, and I pray that you do. I pray that you do. But I'm not saved based off of my personal convictions. I'm saved based off of what does the word of God say. And it gets dangerous when we take away from the word of God. But it also gets really dangerous when we add to the word of God. And if you want to know what that looks like, you can... You, uh, uh, there's denominations today that have their own Bible in addition to the Bible. There's religions. There's groups of people. And that's, that's what prideful thinking gets to, that, Lord, uh, your word is great, but it's not good enough to save me. The word of God is enough to save us. It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than, two any, uh, than any two-edged sword. Do we need convictions? Absolutely we need convictions. Why do we need convictions? Because the world has changed. The culture in 2018 is vastly different than the culture was when Paul was talking about it. But because technology has changed and all of these things has changed, but we still struggle with the same things, the same sins. So we might need a personal conviction that will not allow me to watch some things or even own some things to watch something. It's all different for each of us. That's why we should lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us. But the thing about weights is where some, I might be strong in an area where you're weak. And I might, I, I might not be tempted where you're tempted and vice versa. But I better not ever make fun of your conviction because your conviction is there as a safeguard to keep you from entering into a land where you are weak. And you should never belittle my conviction because my conviction is different than yours. That doesn't make me liberal or conservative or all of these phrases that we've come up with in Christianity. It just means that we are all different and we are all, you're, I, I, I'm weak in some areas, you're strong in some areas. Some of you couldn't dare go to Las Vegas because you're tempted to gamble and to drink. My wife and I went last year and I didn't have a single drip drink of alcohol, and I didn't even touch one of those slot machines. Uh, Lord help, I, uh, I, I, I was afraid to even look at them. I wasn't tempted with that. But some of you need to have a conviction about going there because you might not be able to be strong. And I don't say that I'm strong to brag on myself. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to share with us, this is what a conviction is for. This is why God speaks to us. And if you make your public, if you make your 
your personal conviction public, and it's different than mine, I am in a dangerous place if I ever belittle or make fun of you because you are putting a safeguard up. You can drive, you can make the journey, and many of us have made the journey into the Rocky Mountains. And if you've driven through Kansas, you can put your car in neutral, you can pull over to the side of the road, put your car in neutral, and at some point in Kansas, you think you're on those flat plains. It looks real flat, but your car will begin to roll backwards because the mountains start long before they ever really start. And we need to have a proper safeguard so that we don't get in places where we can get ourselves in trouble with. Why? Because I want my life to be holy. I want my life to be pleasing. And I want your life to be holy and I want your life to be pleasing. I've spent a lot more time there than I intended. If I can teach you to know God, every area of your life will be affected by the holiness of God. So if you want to be holy and pleasing, know God. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, know God. Live a life of practical holiness. It's not very popular to say that in the day and time that we live, holiness. But in order for us to be saved, we must change our life. If we don't think we need to change our life, then why do we need to repent? Why is there repentance? Why is there, we repent so we can, that's what repentance is. It is a 180 degree turn. It's God, I'm turning from my wicked ways. I'm turning from my sinful ways. I'm acknowledging that how I'm living my life right now, it's not working out too good. That's what repentance is. If we want to be saved and not change our life, don't even repent. Just say you believe and do whatever you want to do, but don't mock God and repent. Don't, don't, don't make a mockery out of the things of God. Don't waste your time in repenting because repenting is acknowledging that I am a failure, I am unrighteous, I am unholy, and I am in need of a righteous, holy Savior. And I'm thankful that Jesus is that Savior. Amen. I'm thankful. Also, teaching like I'm doing tonight and preaching like we do so often on holiness and admonishing us to live a life that's free from sin. It's biblical. It makes us feel uncomfortable. And I don't know if I've ever done it like I've done it the last two years. I guess it's just the next phase of my life. I'm, I guess I'm officially a full-grown man. I'm a full-grown preacher now. I'm, I'm starting to sound, and, sound like and talk like and preach like my dad. But preaching and teaching on holiness is biblical, church family. And if preaching and teaching on biblical holiness offends us, then we need to find an altar of repentance and consecration. And don't not shoot the messenger, not say, well, he's just getting up, he knows things about me. No, I, I, I don't know anything. I, don't, I, I try to know the least amount of things as possible. Many of you have come up to me the last several years and said, hey, did you know this? Did you know that? Did you know so-and-so was going through this? And I always say, no, I don't. I'm out, of, I'm out of the loop around here. The only thing that I'm in the loop on is what's happening in the future with the planning, with strategic growth. That's, that's all the other stuff I try to stay out of. Why? So that when the Lord speaks to me, it's not me working on people, but it's God working on people. 
It's God working on people. I, it, 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 if the preacher, if me or if Pastor Smith, if we, have to keep, if we have to fix you, we will always have to fix you. But if we let God work on you, and if we really believe the Bible, the perfect work of Calvary, the blood of Jesus Christ can fix you and can convict you and can change you and can disciple you much better than any man. But teaching and preaching on holiness is still biblical. Right after Paul told the Thessalonians to abound in love in 1 Thessalonians 3.12, he then tells them to not make transgressions against each other in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 6. So he says, look, y'all need to love each other, all this stuff. But then he goes on and he preaches to them. He gets very hard with them with loving hands, or with a loving heart, or with a loving pen, I might should say. He gets very stern and very direct with them. And if the apostle Paul had to do it, then I still believe from the pulpits of America, preaching of the righteousness of God still needs to go forth. It might not be popular. It might get you in trouble. Just a couple years ago in the city of Houston, uh, the mayor was subpoenaing um, 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 the sermon notes or the transcripts of several big churches, uh, of several pastors in our area who were outspoken against homosexuality. I'm thankful that those pastors stood strong. I, I couldn't imagine the pressure that they were under from the local political front, uh, but also from the, national, I, from the national media. I cannot imagine the pressure that they faced, but they stood strong and luckily it all worked out in their favor but even if that happens in this pulpit the word of God is always right the word of God is always what we should live according to why because holiness is right thirdly we should view our life according to God's word not according to what we think or what we want Number two, we should know God. Number two, we should live a lifestyle of practical holiness. Number three, the lifestyle that we are living, we should not compare it to what our friends say, to what culture says, what anything or anyone else uh, thinks we should do or shouldn't do. We should mirror our life to God's word. First let's... Thessalonians 4 and 8 says this, Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being but God. Paul was saying, anybody who reads my letter, any preacher in the Thessalonian church who re-preaches or retweets my tweet, he said, you are not mocking me or the preacher or the reader that read this to you. You are mocking and you are disobeying God. But the very God you are mocking, you are ridiculing, you are rejecting God. We must measure our thoughts, our words, our actions, and our relationships according to what thus saith the word of the Lord. You want to know how to be a good father? Go read the Bible. You want to know how to be a good husband? Go read the Bible. You want to know how to have a strong marriage? Go read Song of Solomon. It's graphic, but my goodness, in the day and time that we live in, sexual sin is everywhere. And I'm thankful that the Word of God is graphic and tells us how to have healthy marriages. I mean, we can laugh and snicker and we can be afraid to read it in public, but sir, ma'am, get together as a spouse. Tomorrow is my wife and I's 10th anniversary, but I'm thankful that we have a strong marriage. I'm thankful that we are passionately in love with 
with each other. And it's going to take us being in constant relationship with each other to keep the fire burning. Otherwise, I will have the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, or vice versa. And I'm thankful that God's word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. If you need help with your money, look in the word of God. Go read Solomon. Go read his writings. There's a reason why they say he was the wisest man to ever live. He was an incredible teacher. He was an incredible businessman. There was much to be learned from the word of God. A sharp word spoken to someone is unholy. The lust of the eye or the lust of the flesh is unholy. Holding a grudge against someone is unholy. Dressing in a way that draws too much attention to ourselves is unholy. Can somebody say amen to me tonight? Amen. It's, it's lonely up here tonight. Our goal in life is to make heaven our home, church family. That's my goal. I think we all can say that the presence of God was strong around here Sunday night when we begin to think and talk and sing about heaven. But I don't want to just feel those feelings and those goosebumps in a church service. I want to experience heaven. I want to experience it. Lastly, we need to remember the vengeance of God. I'm not a doom and gloom guy. I talked about that Sunday night. So I'm not going to get doomy and gloomy on us tonight. But we must remember that God is a God of vengeance. In a day where many believers and preachers believe in eternal security, that's once saved, always saved theology, we must recognize that that does not line up with God's word. We must recognize that that does not line up with God's word. How can I warn you of God's vengeance how can I say that God is a God of wrath if the once saved, always saved theology is true? He's not a God of vengeance. He's not a God of wrath because you can get saved and keep on going along your merry way, living how you want to live, talking how you want to talk, smoking what you want to smoke, drinking what you want to drink, uh, all of these things, sleeping with who you want to sleep with, uh, all of this crazy perversion that we see in our culture. You can do all of that and still go to heaven. That's just simply not the case. Not because I'm a mean preacher, not because, uh, not because I'm trying to ridicule and cast people out of heaven. No, it's because that's just not the reality of the God that we serve. Romans chapter 8 verse 13 says this, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But the spirit you put to death, but by the spirit you put to death, the misdeeds of the body, you will live. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Church family, I want to live. I believe it's God's will that we live. I believe it's God's will that we are with him together in paradise, in heaven. That's his will for us. Galatians chapter 6. I want to read these few verses with you. This is... This is very graphic. This is very to the point. But I think we need to recognize how serious God is about holiness. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the, the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires 
what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, and I think tonight we can all testify to that. We have felt that conflict in our own bodies. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the spirit, You are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Church family, if you want to learn how to live a holy life, get your nose in the word of God. Study it. Study to show thyself to prove is what the word of God says. Stand with me tonight. I think Galatians kind of says it all. I don't need to add anything to it. Just, just let that sit. And when we go home and we go to bed tonight, you know, I, I would think that we're all doing pretty good. All the husbands are loving their wives. All the wives are loving their husbands. That's what I pray is the case in here tonight. So I pray we don't have that problem. But we, let's think about our fits of rage. Let's think about how we respond when we're hurt. Let's think about when I put on these pants, sir. Ma'am, when I put on that dress... Am I revealing too much of myself to others? Am I drawing too much attention to myself? That's what holiness is. Holiness is not doing this because I want to be involved at a church. Holiness is saying, God, when you look over the balconies of heaven and you see Trent, what you see in me and what you see on me and what you see coming from me, I want it to, I want it to be pleasing unto you. And can we make that our corporate desire and our corporate prayer, church family? That, Lord, search my heart, search my mind, search my vocabulary, Jesus. Search me and then purify me, convict me. Whatever you need to do, God, I want to be pleasing in your sight. Church family, holiness is still right. And the day and time that we live, look, I say it and it just gets quiet. It's uncomfortable because it means we have to die to our flesh. But dying to our flesh will be the best death that we ever make. Lord, help me to die. So that's why the Apostle Paul said, I have to die daily. I have to die daily. I have to die daily. Lord, under the sound of my voice are good people. Lord, there are people who want to serve you. Lord, there are people who, who do serve you, Lord, and they do please you. Lord, I pray, God, that you continue to work in my life, continue to work in their life, oh God. Help us to realize Lord, that holiness is not something from the past. It's not something that's old-fashioned and outdated, Lord. But living a life of holiness is pleasing unto you, and that will never be outdated, and that will never be uncool, and that will never be crazy no matter what the world wants to say, no matter what culture wants to say, Lord, no matter what Lord, no matter what the media wants to impart to our teenagers, no matter what music and actors and culture and all of this, teachers, professors, all of this, Lord, the voices that are just, they're just inserted into our life because of technology. Lord, help us to realize that we don't live our life according to this culture, but we live our life according to your word and according to your plan for our life, Jesus.
Lord, my prayer for my life is that I can be pleasing unto you, Lord. Lord, search my heart, Lord. If there's anything unclean, Lord, convict me, Lord. Pull it from me, God. Correct me, God. Lord, I don't want to be too arrogant that you can't fix, that you can't correct, Lord, that you can't work on, Jesus. Work in my life, God. Work in the life of this church. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Now, can you just lift your hands and just thank him for being so good? Lord, thank you for loving me enough to die for me. Thank you for loving me enough to shed your blood so that I can experience the freedom of your spirit, God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, who am I that you are mindful of me, Lord? Who am I, Lord, that you would even call me friend? Lord, I'm so thankful for my heritage, Lord. I'm so thankful, Lord. Lord, I'm thankful for parents and grandparents, Lord. Uh, but even going back further than that, I'm thankful for my heritage in the spirit, Lord. Uh, I'm thankful that I am the seed of Abraham, Lord. I am the head. I am not the tail, Lord. Uh, thank you, Jesus, for what your word says I am. Thank you, for, thank you, Lord, for what you say that I am. Lord, let me live my life to be pleasing unto you. Uh, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for this day, God. Thank you for our church, Jesus. Thank you for our blessings, Lord. We stand here blessed. We stand here grateful. Lord, it's from a posture of gratitude that we want to live a holy life unto you, God. Lord, let our worship be found acceptable unto you, Lord. Lord, let our marriages, Lord, let our finances, let our friendships, let this church, God, let it be found holy unto you, God. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. How, however big we become, however great we become, God, it's not because of us, Lord, but it's because you are a good God and you are a great God. And your mercies are new every morning, God. And you picked us up when we failed. And you loved us when we were unlovable. And you saved us when we were lost. And you forgave us when we were wretched, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight, church family. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Have a great week. Don't work too hard the rest of the week. Just, just uh, work hard. Work hard enough to not get fired. But, not, but don't work too hard to where you can't go home and enjoy family either. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.